And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty is on the air now. Hello and welcome back into Seven Fifty-Five is Real. So excited to have you guys back listening to the podcast. Producer Cam here with you. David and Eric answering your guys' questions in real time on the Athletic app in a Seven Fifty-Five is Real live room. This afternoon, I'm recording this Friday evening towards the end of what was a eruption offensively by the Braves pouring on 16 runs as it stands as the game transitions to the ninth inning of action. Six home runs by Atlanta in the ballgame and in the process setting a franchise record for home runs in a month and also setting a club record for the first time in Atlanta Braves history, consecutive 50 home run months. What what a team. What a season it's been so far. And there's so much more still to go. What also makes the series opener against the Marlins that much more sweet was the return of Mike Soroka to Atlanta following that Achilles injury and subsequent setback. And then making his return to the majors earlier this year. And then was optioned again to AAA or signed to AAA to work out some kinks, and in his first start back since that assignment, six innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs, seven strikeouts, and 98 pitches. A pretty good start for Soroka as he builds back up to his pre-injury form. We'll dig more into Soroka's performance next week, but on today's episode, David and Eric, as I mentioned before, taking your guys' questions, and great questions as always, If you weren't able to join the live room today but want to be notified when we do in the future, make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter. That's at D.O'BrienATL and at EOF34. Also, make sure you're following the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get the show. Also, it's a big help for us if you leave a review and a rating, only if it's a five-star rating, of course. Just, you know, helps us. And then also make sure you're subscribed to us on YouTube as well. We'll get back to more video content and live streams. We all know you guys enjoy that as a method of watching the show. This week was a little bit different with David traveling to North Carolina to receive his award for being the Georgia Sports Writer of the Year. And then Eric had some dentist, had a dentist appointment to go to with Orange Gravillo and also obviously... Running around with three kids is a uh, it's a handful to say the least. But we'll get back to that normal style of show next week, and we hope you guys will join us on the live stream on YouTube. Seven fifty five is real. Enough rambling in today's show. David and Eric actually previewed Mike Soroka's return to Atlanta in the live room on Friday afternoon. Shared some initial thoughts about him before his performance today. Also talked about the blistering offense, including how Matt Olson has been an incredible offensive source for this team. And tonight against the Marlins has two home runs. He's been an absolute tour de force. And also the Braves all-star starters, the guys discussed the three who made it into the starting rotation of the all-star game. And then next week we should have an idea of who the reserves are. And we can talk about that a little bit more in depth. But as always, I say it every time when I'm kicking off the show, and I always mean it. Without you, none of this is possible. Thank you all for your continuous support. And without further ado, here's David and Eric for today's episode of 755 is Real. We wanted to jump in and get this one in kind of in a hurry today. We both had stuff going on and big series beginning tonight, man. And the Braves just make it, made it official. I was hoping they would before we went on air. Michael Soroka will be starting tonight. And I know he's made a couple of road starts. But this is still going to be a really special moment because it's going to be his first start in Atlanta since 2020 when he tore Achilles for the first time and his first start in front of a crowd in Atlanta since 2019 because when he tore his Achilles, of course, it was the pandemic season. There was nobody in the place. 
Yeah, I forgot about that. No, yeah. that'll, that'll be get, he's he's deserved. I mean, I kind of thought the team. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Do you want him too amped up, making that first one? Right. Want to get get his feet settled, or do you want him to get that ovation? And I was kind of surprised they didn't have his first start. Um, be at home just for that moment because I think he really deserves it. But you know they're doing what they got to do and they're trying to win. So if it works out, it works out. But a lot of times teams can't just make those moments happen. But tonight should be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, and considering how he pitched, especially in that second start, it's probably good that he got a couple of them out of the way. Went back down to AAA, worked on some more things, and he's pitched really well in his last few starts. Let's put it this way: he's pitched better in his last few starts down there. I think it's four quality starts, including a near no hitter. A seven eight no hitter. Um, he's pitched better in those starts than he did in his starts leading up to his first call up, which was more out of urgency and the need for a starter than it was him overwhelming hitters in AAA or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I said before, I thought that he might just, it might just wake him up or, or snap him out of it to get called up, but he obviously, you know, still had some work to do. And sometimes you just got to call up your best option. But I think yeah. kind of what they were waiting for him to pitch like this before they yeah. really wanted to call him up initially. Yeah, he's cut down the walks, not giving up many hits. I think he's uh, a lot more uh, prepared right now for that. It could be overwhelming, I mean, but I think if anybody can handle something like that, it's him. I mean, he was, a, he was an all-star as a rookie, you know. I mean, his first major league start was at City Field against a good Mets team when he was 21 years old, I think, maybe even 20. I forget. I have to look it up, but straight from double A. So I think he'll, he'll handle it fine. Um, and it's, it's great that it's, they're packing a place for every weekend game now and a lot of weekday games as well. So it's not like there's going to be 25,000. There's going to be 40, 40,000 plus there. And they are, and, and they, everybody's well aware of his situation and are going to treat him as, uh, what he is, Michael Soroka, rather than a guy who made a couple of mediocre starts on the road already this year, is not. That's not even going to matter. Yeah, I think the only way it could have got overwhelming is if you're dealing with your own personal emotions of of making your first start and, and mm-hmm. making getting back to the big leagues for the first time, right. and then you have the distraction of a, kind of all the ovation and the crowd and all the things going on. Uh, right. Those two things combined could be more overwhelming, but them being separate, I don't think tonight would distract them at all. Uh, JK on uh, one of our subscribers has question: Does the forecast look bad for tonight's game? <coughs> no, uh, excuse me. It doesn't look good. I mean, it doesn't look great, but it doesn't look bad for game time and for those. And, you know, the games are so much quicker now that it's not going to extend into the rain, the rain. The, in, the chances for rain are this afternoon, late this afternoon, might knock out BP, good chance of that, and then late tonight. But I think they got a good window in there where they should be able to get in a game, no problem. Let's hope so. It really would hate. And if and if not, yeah. then let's say, hope they delay the start and it doesn't, you know, that rather than have a rain delay in the second inning, you'd hate to see him knocked out uh, early in the game. So, yeah, it looks pretty good right now unless that changes. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, that's just one of the side notes kind of to what is going to be the most anticipated series against the Marlins in some time because the Braves have just dominated them in recent years and they're six and one against them this year. But those were early in the season and the Marlins are playing really good baseball right now on top of having Luis Oras, uh threaten 400 for going deeper, you know, batting 400 than anybody since Chipper back in 08. Uh, so that's kind of one of those, Things that's getting them a lot of attention, but look a little deeper and you'll see that the, the Marlins, like the Phillies, they haven't really lost any ground on the Braves in the last few weeks when the Braves have been on this, his, you know, historic home run binge and have won like, uh, what, 20 out of 23, something like that. The, the Marlins and Phillies for the last like three weeks haven't really lost any ground at all. And the Marlins are right there in second place, uh, not too far behind the Braves at all. Yeah, but that, that, it's it's fun to be hot, but it's also frustrating if you're not gaining any ground. You know, there's right. two ways to look at it. It's right. It sucks when you're playing as good as the Braves are and not gaining any distance. But it's even harder when you're doing everything right. you can and you know you can't possibly pay better, and you maybe lose a game or pick up half a game over twenty really yeah. good. Games. You're you're playing the kind of ball that you had hoped to play for the last. I mean, the Marlins have been building towards this with Michelle uh, in their. Uh, 
excellent general manager, has put together a team that's competitive. They've been building towards this. So they this is the best stretch of baseball they've played in years. And like you said, it hasn't been enough to really reel in the Braves at all. <laughs> so that's the other way of looking at it. Um, I heard Tommy Hutton, their, their uh, veteran broadcaster and former player, who I know well when I covered the Marlins, he was on uh, this morning on MLB Network talking about how, you know, the Marlins have played great. And he goes, you know, realistically, he doesn't know that the Braves are going to, uh, you know, kind of uh, struggle or come apart to where the Marlins could catch them. Uh, you, so you got to think the Marlins players are probably thinking more wild card because they know how how the Braves have dominated them for so long, ever since all these players have been there. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, if they play, if they keep playing this well and just keep the Braves within arm's reach, the Braves will drag them right into a wild card berth. Yeah, and these are the matchups that you know when you're when you're the the Marlins right now. These are the ones. These are huge games for you because mm -hmm. you if you sweep them, you pick up three games. Yeah, yeah, that ain't gonna happen. But they, if they no, could win, not, but if they could just win the series, they pick up a game, and they're only six yeah. behind the Braves, six back. And that's what's that's kind of what's tough about the head to head matchups. You know, you win two, lose one. I mean, it doesn't really make much of a difference. You have to really. I mean, you got to sweep them, and like you said, they're not going to do that. Uh huh. How about how about this? The home records. The Braves, you know, started off slow at home and have been a little less like one out of the last thirteen, I think, are at home, something like that. But the Braves for the season at home are twenty seven and fifteen. The Marlins are twenty five and sixteen at home. They're one game behind the Braves at home record. Yeah, I, I've always thought that's a really tough park to play in and uh -huh. manage because, I mean, it's just a weird atmosphere. I don't know what it's like now that, that they're playing well again, but it was really, really tough when, when they were bad and kind of doing the rebuild. Yeah. Because the atmosphere is just kind of – it's there's just random noises going on. It's like Annoying loud. Point. Yeah. And the the music and the, the live uh, – they have like live bands sometimes and the music and the, and the small crowds, that noise tends to just bounce off the roof and the it sides. Yeah. Yeah. It echoes. So it's a really weird kind of, it's not nearly as loud, just pure natural sound as you get in so many ballparks where you have huge crowds like Truist Park or Dodger Stadium, but it's an annoying kind of noise that's far yeah. worse. It's just like what what you feel like something else is happening. Like it's, yeah. it's not the main <laughs> Like there's event. a concert next door. It, that's what it feels like. like you're yeah. on the mound and you just hear all this music blasting and <laughs> throw a ball or strike and the crowd doesn't really react i mean it's just a really really strange stadium but you know, if they start packing the house it, it obviously change yeah um so yeah they're the models have 48 wins that's tied with the diamondbacks for the second most in the national league Wow. They're 48 and 34. The Diamondbacks are 48, uh, 48 and 34. The same record. Yeah, they have the same record as the D-backs who are leading the Dodgers by two games. Dude, the Marlins are two games ahead of the Dodgers record-wise. Wow. Yeah, Think about that. that. I didn't see that. And the, 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 the thing that's real scary for me about them, or the, the scariest thing, I guess, is, is Alcantara really hasn't been himself. Exactly. They're doing it without Alcantara. Imagine if he was pitching like he was last year. Oh yeah! But, oh my I mean, God! I was thinking about this, and you can say, "Well, imagine if the Braves had freed, you know." The right, same. right. True. Very true. Um, but yeah, last year he was like the the bright spot of that team. I mean, and so yeah. much he he got he allowed the bullpen to get like a a day off basically every time he pitched. I mean, he and 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 the other starters, you know, he just he was the bell cow, and they all tried to match him, and he he brought up the performance of everybody, and, and you know, and they had big crowds when he pitched too. It's kind of like going back, uh, not quite as big as like when Jose Fernandez used to pitch when Lavon or Lavon Hernandez with the Marlins, but it was close. It was getting there. Alcantara was a big day when he pitched. So, yeah, they're doing it without him this year. It's just more of a team thing. They got a they got a solid young team, a lot of young talent, man. Uh, and obviously, Luis Araz was just uh, voted to start in the All-Star game in second base. So, and they're getting back the uh, Chisholm starting to play a lot better after being hurt earlier. So, it's going to be interesting. going to be a big series, I think. And seeing Soroka start that tonight is going to kick it off in, a, in, in fine fashion. Looking forward to it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Luis Ross sitting over 390, pursuing the hollowed 400. Uh, no one has hit 400, obviously, since Ted Williams. Chipper was the last one to do it, to, I mean, to, to threaten it this late in the season. And I remember that like it was yesterday, 2008. Chipper was 36, man, and hitting 400 at midseason. That's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's, just, it's so yeah, hard. I, you watch BP and guys make plenty of outs, you know, to try to hit the pitching in today's game and, and bat 400 is ridiculous. And you know what? The thing is, people might think this was, the, he was only playing, you know, two, two out of three games or some at the time, 110 games. No, he was still, he was still playing over a two year stretch in, at age 35 and 36. I just looked it up. Chipper had over 1100 plate appearances. And I mean, the numbers he put up in those two years are crazy. Nobody's doing that, what he's doing right now. In in the year before that, at age 35, 2007, the dude had 1,029 OPS with 75 extra base hits, including 29 homers, 102 RBIs at age 35, 600 PAs. Yeah, I mean, doing it with power is pretty... <laughs> <laughs> he somehow had four triples that year. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so he just kept running. But he was hitting 409 in mid-June. I remember the New York Times, everybody was sending writers down to do stories on the, you know, the because he kind of faded from, you know, at, from the from his MVP days. He was kind of like one, not an afterthought, but he wasn't the, the superstar anymore. So this kind of came out of nowhere, this late career resurgence. And it was just Chipper being one of the all-time great hitters. But late in his career, he had learned so much and knew so much about pitching that he just – he was at a different level mentally, mentally just at handling things that that guys just there, there are so very few guys in the game today who are at that level of understanding of hitting. I don't know that I talked to anybody. You know, I mean, it was like if I heard him talk in baseball, I might have some workout I was on my way to do or somewhere I needed to be. Uh huh. I'd still try to stop and just I would just like eavesdrop. You know, sit sit at a locker close to him, so I didn't. Yeah, you know, I didn't mess up the conversation, but I wanted to hear it every time he talked baseball. It was just he would just say things in ways that, you know, he he had an ability to simplify it, and make it make sense, but they were really advanced thoughts and just what he'd say to young guys about certain pitchers. Yeah, sitting on pitches or what to look for or knowing like what a pitcher's going to do or what you know, how to eliminate a pitch because you know he doesn't want to get beat on that one and you know what he wants to get you out with, so you just sit on it. And then he was such a good hitter that when he got that pitch, he didn't miss it. Yeah, Matt, he, uh, I've said before, he was the greatest player I've covered. I've covered, just greatest player. Um, Acuna is the most talented player I've covered, and Acuna certainly, if he plays another 10 years, you know, five to 10 years at his current performance level, he will certainly threaten Chipper in my in, in my uh, lofty uh, uh, levels of of rating players because he's and even Chipper would admit Acuna is more talented overall and that's saying something because Chipper was extremely talented and a great athlete. Uh, but on top of being the best player, best greatest all around player I've ever covered, Chipper's the best interview I've ever of <laughs> guys I've ever covered. I mean, because yeah. like you what you just said, you'd listen to the guy and you'd learn something every time. And for a guy to have so much confidence and in his abilities 
to not worry about like how this is going to be perceived or, you know, is the opposing team going to be pissed off that he says something? He just had so much confidence and swagger. And then late in his career, so much gravitas that everything he said, people paid attention to because it was coming from the guy they knew was going to be in the Hall of Fame. So just the combination, you miss having a guy like that around because he was something special, man. Yeah, I, you know, he's one of those guys that I, I grew up, I'm watching him on TV. So one of those guys that even when I'm his teammate, I'm, I'm kind of awkward talking to, you know, because he's just on this uh, this higher level of baseball. Mm-hmm. Like one of those guys you look at is just uh, like a just a living legend, you know what I mean? And, and so when yeah. you're around him, it's, yeah. it's, I'm not saying anything. But I'm not even going to offer a baseball opinion around Chipper Jones. <laughs> I, mean, I certainly not. Imagine if you right. aren't. Imagine me. Whenever I talk right. to him, I make just sure that listen. I don't ask. Yes, I make sure that I don't ask a question that suggests I have some insight that I'm giving him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm careful the way I ask him questions. He has yeah, that kind of a, <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, I kind of throw it out there like, uh, would you agree with that? Or kind of like, I, I don't want to be uh, presumptive at all when I talk to him. Kind of like talking to yeah. Smoltzy about pitching, you know, or Maddox. Right. You're like, <laughs> I'm just going to open the floor to you. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Yeah, but uh, just real quick on the chipper thing. I looked it up. He was hitting. He was last at 400 that year on June 18th. Then he went through a stretch with only one start with some, and then uh, a bunch of play, uh, pinch hit appearances. So I know he was one of his injuries. I have to look it up and talk to him today about what it was. I forgot what it was. but So he dipped to 356 by late August. Then he had another flurry, as he was wont to do, from August 28th to September 24th. He went 25 for 59. He had 424 in that stretch with 17 walks, including six intentional walks. So he had a 553 OPS in that nearly four-week stretch. So here he is, 36 years old, and people are still fearing him, even though he only had three homers in that stretch. But he was still a focal point on that because that was a 90-loss Braves team. He was still a focal point. They had BMAC and Teixeira. But obviously, teams still fear Chipper. They walked him that many times intentionally. Yeah, and that makes it tough when you're not getting pitched to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nobody nobody drives up to the park and thinks, I'm going to get four walks today, and I'm going to drive home happy. You know, guys work on their swing because they want to hit. Yeah, he, uh, they only had tw- two. The only other 20 homer hitters on that team were BMAC who was still probably the best hitting catcher in baseball at that point. I'd have to look that up, but he was still tremendous. He BMAC hit 301 that year with 23 homers and an 896 OPS in 145 games. Remember, oh no DH, and he didn't play first. He had 132 starts at catcher and finished with 573 plate appearances in the Georgia Heat. It's, it's so easy to look back at guys, you know, when you see him moving now. Uh-huh. It's so easy to look back and be like, yeah, that's that's why when your son threw that ball a little to the left, you couldn't just spring out and get it. You know, you got to go try right. to walk after that thing and toss it back. Right. You know, because you can see the, the workloads that guys took on early in their careers really pile up on them. I mean, that... <laughs> that's That's amazing that he played, that he caught that much down here. When I see, you know... A guy like Sean Murphy, and we're wondering, can he go nine out of ten with Darno on the side? It's like hell. BMAC was BMAC was heavier, twenty pounds heavier, and playing almost every day. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, yeah man. Hitting three hundred. You know, you see relievers getting into the sixties, sixty games. You know, sixty appearances, and they start tailing off and. I don't know. There was there was like a there was a pride to it, especially doing it for Bobby. That if if Bobby yeah. wants to give you the ball, you know, you take it every single day for that guy. And I think Snit has kind of the same effect, but yeah. there's just so much more information now out there on resting right. guys and getting right. them recovered. Yep. The, the strategies just changed. But yeah, as a manager, you just can't run your catcher out there 135 times without opening yourself up to so much criticism, especially if he gets hurt. I mean, and you're not going to do it when you got two great catchers like the Braves do. But but teams that don't have two great catchers would rather run a far inferior catcher out there than do what what what. If, if you think about it, BMAC caught five out of six games. At 135 yeah. games. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 day games after night games. Yeah, probably both games at double headers. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. But uh, yeah, and Teixeira was the other 20 homer hitters that year. 
Teixeira had a great year. He had 283, 902 OPS, 20 homers. He only played 103 games. So he was hurt a third of the year, more than a third of the year. So anyway, okay, uh, a couple of these on here. Good problems, I guess, from Rob P. says, but Grissom has been tearing it up at Gwinnett. I love RC. I want him to start as long as he keeps going. But what about a backup infielder? Well, the problem is, and we've talked about this, the Braves don't need a backup infielder as long as nobody gets hurt. And when you have your AAA team 30 minutes away, yeah, you, you, get you, you, can, you have the luxury that few teams have of, Okay, say say you, you they have they've played without a backup infielder now for <laughs> for a couple of weeks without even having one on the roster, and before that they didn't use a backup infielder for more than a, it's been like a month now when they had Culberson on the team they didn't even use it, so they're prepared to if they have a second baseman or a shortstop get hurt or a third baseman get hurt in the fifth inning they are prepared to go through the rest of a game with what they have they can do it they can move. Eddie Rosario to second base. He used to play there. They can move guys. They have guys that can get through. They can move Riley over to short through for a few innings to get through a game. And they can get a guy to the game by the next day. Now, that would be harder on the West Coast. So they're definitely going to need They're going to probably add a utility infielder any day now anyway. Now that uh, Murphy and Darno are both healthy, they don't need to have a third catcher. So that that's going to happen real soon. Uh, and you'd have to on the West Coast because you can't get a guy out there. You'd have to carry him you know, on the plane with you. So, uh, but getting back to your question, you can't really have Grissom on this team as a backup infielder when he's still developing because he's not going to play unless somebody gets hurt. Fielding balls. Yes, exactly. You get balls hit to him in games. Over and over and over. He needs those reps at shortstop. Yeah. If If you have any plans of him, you know, becoming your guy, one of your guys in the future, or even if uh, even if you say you wanted to trade him, well, he's got to be playing. You know, he's not going to be sitting on the bench. You know, he needs to be lighting it up like he is in AAA. So I don't see him being the guy. I could be wrong, but I would say like Shoemaker would be more inclined to do as a utility guy. But probably, I mean, you might see neither of them, and they go with the with the kind of just a, a scrap heap guy that they have you know, to bring up to, to be there in case they need to plug somebody in there rather than because both of those guys are still developing and still need to play every day, Grissom and Shoemaker. Yeah, it's it's a tough. And, you know, I, I don't think even if you're Grissom, you want to be up there backing up. You know, I think no. you, have, you have a higher expectation here than that. I mean, I'm sure he'd rather be here getting major league money and traveling with the team. But if he thinks about it, I mean, what's better for his career is down there raking. Yeah. So. Um, not now that Micah says now that our old friend Freddie Freeman has 2000 career hits, what are y'all's thoughts on his chances of joining Aaron and Pujols in the 3000 hits, 600 doubles, 500 home run club. Ooh, uh, 3000 hits. He's got a, gonna be tough. Yeah. 3000 hits. He's got a real chance. I do not see him doing the 500 home runs. I'm, I'm calling him up right now. Cause to be honest, I'm not sure where he is home run wise, but he's not I even close. He's not even at 300 yet. He's at uh, – Freddie oh, is three at six. 306. He's not going to get 200 yeah. more home runs. That ain't going to happen. Um, I know he's had – what the last traded year. to the Reds. Yeah, exactly. The last few years, look at his home run totals. The last five years, uh, career high 38 in 2019, 13 in the short season 2020, then 31, 21, 14 right now. So he's on pace for about 30 this year. So you're talking about a guy that's really going to hit you uh, until, you know, he starts to go downhill. He's going to hit you about 25 to 30 home runs, pop a 35 in there maybe. So I think he could stay at his peak for maybe another five years. He's that in that greatest shape and he's that rare of a hitter, you know? So let's, let's be let's be generous and say he hits 30 a year for five more years. That's 150. That give him 456. (laughs) <laughs> he's got a chance. I mean, he's an outside uh, chance. Yeah, you're right. He's, he's got a chance. I think but the it, hits thing, he's, he averages about 170 hits a year. Yeah. I easily see him being a good hitter for another six years. Yeah, and if you look at his recent, I mean, his recent full season totals and hits, 191, 176, 180. Last year led the majors with 199. This year he's got 102, so he's on pace for over 200. So he's like going still on. I mean, he's still in the prime of his career on, on the pace to set career high for the second year in a row. 
So yeah, I think he'll I think he'll definitely get three thousand hits. He could do yeah. that in another say say that he averages one eighty for another five years. Yeah, you know that that that's going to put him at within a hundred. Yeah. So he'll do that. He's easily playing for me. I think he's easily playing until he's forty uh, productively. Yeah. I still say the 500 homers is a reach, but he, but it's possible. It's possible. I mean, you know, he's on pace again to hit 30 or 28 to 30 homers, but he's going to have to do that. You know, this would only be what is well, one, two, three, fourth. It'd be his fourth year with 30 or more homers. I mean, he'd have to average, say, 25. Yeah, if he averaged 25, that would still be, that would still leave him short. If he did yeah. that for another what six years, uh, but if, say he averaged twenty, uh, say he averaged twenty home runs for seven more years, yeah, he's got a chance. It's not, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. That's for sure. Uh, the doubles, the doubles. He's at four forty one. Yeah, he could definitely do that. Uh, yeah. He's had forty seven. Led the majors last year with forty seven. He's at twenty seven this year, so he's on pace this year to hit over fifty. Damn, yeah. man. God, Fred's I, I think that, you know, it's something that should be looked at the end of guys' careers, the stadiums they played in. Because right. even, right. I mean, if you play 20 years and you just happen to pick up an extra five a year playing in a hitter's park, I mean, that's an extra hundred. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to destroy 600 doubles, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, if he gets if he just hits uh, 40 for the next five years, that's going to be 641. You know, yeah. if he just averages forty, and he's going to have uh, he's going to have over fifty this year, probably. Yeah, he's going to. I think he'll get six hundred doubles. Man, you forget what a great hitter the dude is. He led the majors in doubles last year and hits, and he's leading the majors again in doubles this year. I never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after watching him and, and playing with him and facing him, yeah, I, for me, he's the top five hitter in the game. Just overall, oh, for sure, that's going to be tough. I, for sure, I don't. I don't. He doesn't get enough credit because he doesn't hit. You know, his home runs very rarely are going 450, and he just he, runs slowly or, or or just a average run around the bases with nothing along the way. <laughs> yep, no tattoos. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing super flashy about the way he does it. But yeah, it, everything's pure. You know, I, you see him hit pitches a fastball in from a lefty and hit it out to left center is so freaking hard to do. And he just does it. Everything's clean. Every at bat's tough. He can hit any pitch. He hits good pitching. For me, I mean, I don't ever forget what a great hitter he is. And I, every time he comes up to to hit, I I just lock in and watch it because it's it's a thing of beauty. He's got a chance. Uh, the OBP will be hard, but he's got a chance to do the three, the Chipper Jones three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thing, which uh, very few guys do, especially in today's game with the OBPs. Nobody has that anymore, but. If you look at his, he's at 387 career right now, 299 career average, 897 career OPS, 511 career slugging. If you look at the last four years, beginning with his MVP season in 2020, beginning with 2020, 1,744 at bats, uh, just over 2,000 plate appearances. In that four-year span, he is hitting 318 with a 408 OBP, 530 slugging. 938 OPS, 152 OPS plus. That's over four seasons beginning in 2020. Yeah. I mean, that's that's elite, elite, elite. Nico B wants us to stop uh, fawning over Freddie. <laughs> hey, Olsen, man, I when they made the when they when they let Freddie go and they traded for Olsen, I said at the time they got the only guy available via free agency or trade who could legitimately step into Freddie's shoes, not fill them because he's a different type hitter, but still give them huge production. And he's done just that. And five years from now, five years from now, you might still be saying they're better off with Olsen five years from now than they would have been with Freddie five years from now. Remains to be seen because Freddie is not, obviously not going downhill yet at all. But in another five years or another three or four years, we might not be saying that. Guys can age in a hurry when they're getting their mid-30s. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Freddie will because his, he's using levers. But right at the same time, I mean, Olsen's got twenty six bombs already this year. Exactly, he's going to set the franchise record at the current pace. He's going to beat Andrew's franchise record. Is it fifty one so, or something? Yeah, you, yeah, he's on. What is he's it? On, yeah, it's fifty one. Andrew, he's leading the he's leading the league in homers and RBIs, man. I mean, 
Sure, he strikes out. He's going to set the, he's going to also break the franchise record for strikeouts. But on a team with so many other guys who rake and don't strike out a ton, that's that they can, they can live with that. Oh, you can absolutely have one or two guys in your lineup that are doing what he's doing. You know, you're a power threat and sometimes you come up in a big at bat and, and strike out, but. I don't know. There's there's something about when he hits a ball on top of the chop house in the second inning and stadium blows up that yeah, it, it just it sends a message to the other team, and he definitely kind of puts that exclamation point on it with some of his home runs. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the 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 power, especially since they moved him to the fifth spot. I know a lot of people were calling for that earlier, and they were right because since that move, that fifth spot really suits him well, man. At that, yep. that, yeah, that, that, the lineup with with him down there is just uh, they're locked in. Uh, and we were talking about how soon they might uh, uh, bring up a, an infielder. Well, they've already done it. Charlie Culberson, which uh, Charlie, for those wondering, Charlie, like a week and a half ago, whatever it was, elected free agency rather than take a minor league assignment. Really, that was just more of a procedural thing, because by doing that. He didn't have to go to the minors and be down there a minimum of 10 days uh, by signing a minor league deal. He could be as activated as soon as as soon as the Braves wanted to bring him back up here. So it wasn't like there was a falling out between the team and Charlie goes, I'm not going to take a minor league. It wasn't like that at all. No, they probably just told him, just don't accept it. Go be a free agent. Right. We'll call you back up as soon as we can. Right. Uh, I mean, I would be surprised. Charlie's probably going to finish his career with the Braves at this point, I would think. It's just such a perfect spot for him because – it's the one team where he can live at home while playing for either the major league team or the triple A team. I mean, he can't do that anywhere else, obviously, because he lives in Marietta, Georgia. <laughs> he lives in the yeah. Atlanta suburbs. So you couldn't ask for at that point in your career, you could not possibly ask for a better situation than being with the team that where you fit in so well too in the clubhouse and with the coaching staff and everybody else in the GM. Yeah. Everybody's respect. You know, that's something you have to, earn and it's hard to get in a new organization especially if you're not producing but when yeah. you've already part of it for a long time then the things you say actually have that you know that weight that they should when you're a veteran yeah and uh and it's also a team that you know is going to contend for you know going to win division titles contend for a world series uh, you know for the foreseeable future it's a whole lot easier to not play at all when you're on a great team than it would be to be you know, on a crappy team and getting junk time, at meaningless at bats and meaningless games. Yeah, I mean, you could pick up a 350k playoff. Oh, not to mention exactly, exactly. I mean, he's already assured of a of a postseason share, whatever they do. Um. So yeah, you got Charlie activated and uh, Chadwick Trump was optioned because they don't need three catchers now, obviously. Uh, and Dylan Lee transferred to the 60-day IL, another procedural move because he's already ate up most of that chunk, so he's not going to be out much longer anyway. Um, but it allowed you to make the roster moves that you made. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a... Mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's see. We got uh, one guy. I don't know if you're kidding on this. RC is looking a little bit off. Can he maintain starting every day for the rest of the season? Um, yes, he can. I mean, if he if he goes through a little bit of a slump, he's no different than everybody else. Everybody goes through slumps. And I mean, did you see the play that he and <laughs> Ozzy made? That was phenomenal. That play that Ozzy, uh, the, the presence of mind that Ozzy had and that RC had to get his butt over there. Take the little toss from from Ozzy from the ground and make that bullet of a throw to first base. That's that's a highlight reel for top ten all season MOB probably. That was a beautiful play. I didn't see it, but I've been surprised how good his arm is. Yeah, it was Ozzy goes to his right, ranges to his right, makes a diving stop. You know, going towards what towards left center, I guess it would be. He's diving. He, so he's on the ground. And some, I, I forget who the runner was, but it wasn't a slow runner, if I remember correctly. But he has no way that he's going to get up on his feet and make the throw to first. Uh, going the, he's going the opposite direction. Arcia hustles over there. Ozzy sees him coming over, tosses the ball to Arcia, who catches it mid-stride and throws a perfect strike to first base to get him. So it was like a relay. Oh, that's sick. 4-6-3. 4-6-3 out. It was beautiful. Yeah, you got um, things to pull that off and, and really be comfortable with each other. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Somebody says, Dave, you can go back further with Freddie. Uh, 2016 through 2023, he's at 309, 400, 541. Yeah. Yeah, it's been phenomenal for a long time. I just wanted to get the even high, how, how great, how much even better he's been in his 30s than he was going back to then. So, and show the, the kind of rarity that he's he's a guy still getting better. I mean, and you don't see that anymore because the peak is has been shifted down. They now know the peak is more late twenties, mid to late twenties to early early thirties. You know, barely even thirty. Whereas it used to be thought of as late twenties to mid thirties. Now it's shifted back. But Freddie is 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 peaking now at thirty three. He's he's getting better. Yeah. Well, you never stop learning. You know. I mean, some guys do, and they're out of the game pretty quick. But yeah, it's kind of if if you can hold on to your athletic ability, and a lot of it's genetics, a lot of it's just you know what you're using. You know, like big muscular guys or the guys that are just crushing the weight room in their twenties. And yeah, I always think those guys are in for a hard downfall. But Freddie's body's never really changed. He's not a big weight room guy. He just uses his leverage really well, and he's in better shape now than he was in his mid twenties. Oh, he had baby, rough. he had baby Very fat. Tall. Yeah, he had baby yeah. fat when he first came up with the Braves. And yeah. physically, I don't know what he's he's honed his offseason thing now, but physically, he's in probably better shape than I've ever seen him in. So he's in terrific shape. I had a buddy that was at the Rockies game last night, buddy from my hometown in Kansas, and was sitting behind the Dodgers dugout. He sent me a picture of Freddie. I guess he's never seen him in person. Uh, and this this is a dude that was a quarterback on a high school team, blah, blah, blah. He's a good athlete himself. And he says, I'm at the game, Dave, in Colorado. He goes, Freddie Freeman. He goes, man, he's a monster. <laughs> I said, and one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet, most mild manner. But I never really think of Freddie as being so huge because I saw him every day like you saw him every day. But when guys haven't seen him and he's so proportioned that from a distance he doesn't look that big and then you get up close to him and realize he's six foot five. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. Him and him and Jason beside each other used to be quite a sight. Jay, hey, that's a body right there. <laughs> My God, he's another guy that is in better shape than he's ever been in, if that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Estimate. Uh, oh man, yeah. Uh, Braves have look. They they are finishing a historic uh, hitting month in June. They've got a chance to do some things offensively that they've never done before. They, this this homer binge they've been on has been crazy, man. They've got seven players now on on pace for twenty six or more homers this season. Seven. They got seven now with thirteen or more games, and tonight's the halfway point of the season. And that doesn't even include Michael Harris, 
whose recent pace, you know, he missed a month and his recent pace, he'll get to 20 easily. If he just keeps this up, his current, his recent pace, that would give them eight players with 20 or more homers or with 26 or more homers about it. Those are steroid era numbers. I mean, I remember growing up play video games and if a guy didn't hit 25 homers, I thought he sucked because (laughs) everybody was hitting 40, 45, but in today's game, there's, you know, most lineups have two or three guys that are going to touch anything close to 30. Yeah. 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 These are like juiced human or juiced ball era numbers, you know, not like normal era numbers, which is what they're doing. They've had uh, 55 homers in June. Okay. The second, but you know what makes that even more impressive? They have the second fewest strikeouts in the majors for the month. That is equally shocking considering the type of team this has been in recent years. I mean, that's a huge improvement over last year, strikeout wise. And that's with Olsen striking out the way he is. Yeah, you combine those two things, a team that you can't really strike out, and they're, yeah. I, that, then you see a month like they've had. And they, you're just watching it, it's one of those things where you're just expecting it to end. And then every night they go out and do it again, and you just shake your head like, get five more homers tonight? You know, it's like, it, it's, I, haven't seen, I don't know if I've ever even been, even from afar, watched the team be this hot and hit like this. They uh, among the among the other five teams with the fewest strikeouts for the month. So so five out of the six, the other the other strike fewest strikeouts. None of those teams has over 30 homers. The Nationals have a majors low 165 strikeouts in June. They've hit 20 homers, 20 to the Braves, 55 homers. The Angels are the only other team with more than 40 homers in June. They got 46. The Braves have 55. And Otani has like 26. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Braves also lead the majors with 159 runs this month. The Reds are second with 146. They're the only other team that's got as many as 140 and are in the final day of the month. Braves are OPS and 920 for the month. The Angels are next with 830, 90 points behind them. Yeah. With Shohei and Gotti Mike Trout, both hitting great. Braves are hitting 302 this month, which is just crazy. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to hit over 300 for the month. That's next not best, a real number. Next best in the majors is Cleveland at 284. <laughs> 300 as a team for a month is just not a real number. I mean, it's just they got such a juggernaut of an offense that it's been a godsend because they have been able to get by without having freed and right, not just get by, but – have the best record in the league because their offense is so good. Yeah. And it's so ridiculous. It's not a logical way to build a team. You know, it's like, right. Thinking, thinking you don't need everybody builds their team thinking it's pitching, 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 and that's what you need. But yeah, you can get, you can have any starting staff you want if you're hitting like this. But the thing is, even without those guys, they're still pitching, man. They still got, they still got a damn good ERA. They've got, Team ERA for the for the year, for the year, is still leading the National League. It's fifth in the majors at three seven four. The starters that they've had, they plugged in. The rookies have more than carried their weight. They've got them, you know, through four or five innings most nights. Elder's pitched out of his mind. Elder has pitched basically what you expected Max Fried to do. Elder has done, <laughs> which is crazy, but he has. Yeah. Strider has done what you hoped he would do, you know. And then Charlie has done what you think he could do at 39. And then these other guys though, that you've plugged in have, have done, have pitched really uh, well. And your bullpen yeah. has had a couple of guys pitch just terrific. Just imagine if Soroka has found it and Freed comes back. Yeah. I mean, I really think Max Freed's got a, a, got a, the way they're slow walking this thing and making sure and all this stuff. And he's doing thorough workouts every day without any setbacks so far, as far as I know. I really think he's got a chance to come back and be really strong. His arm's going to be so fresh down the stretch that he could go into the postseason pitching his best instead of like in the past where he's kind of on fumes at the postseason because he's pitched so much. He's going to be the guy that's only got like a hundred innings at the when the postseason starts. Yeah, yeah. You just you the only thing you want you want him to have enough time, you know, because after a big layoff. But you want him to have enough time to lock in and and feel like he's really going by the playoffs. But they yeah. do have plenty of time for that, even if they bring him back. In yeah, yeah. Uh, somebody had a great an- an- 
analogy here. They said Culberson's living that backup quarterback life, not expected to play, but getting paid to be a play coach. <laughs> it's very true. He's carrying a clipboard, man. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think guys, a lot of guys don't understand, but your character comes into play so much. Oh, absolutely. No team's, no team's letting a, a turd do what Charlie's doing. Nope. You have to be a great guy that only contributes. You take nothing away from the team ever. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, Another surprising stat, Braves have fewer doubles than 17 teams, including the White Sox and the Pirates. Of course, I think that's in large part due to the fact they're hitting so many balls over the fence instead of to the warning track or or against the fence. <laughs> yeah, they got so much power. They are hitting doubles. They're just going <laughs> over the fence. Instead of gappers, their balls are just carrying over. Like when Acuna scorches a ball down the line or in the right center gap, I mean, he puts a double swing on it. He's just got yeah. so much power. It goes 420. Harris lately has done the same thing. Riley's done that all year. Olsen last year. Remember that last year when Olsen, the first half of the season, was on a pace to shatter like all the doubles records? He was on a pace to beat the major league doubles record. And then he started turning those into home runs in the second half or late in the first half. That's yeah. what he's done this year. He's just hit home runs instead of doubles. Yeah, and it's – you know, you're you're barreling the ball and you're just your launch angle or whatever is just off by five degrees. But yeah. These guys, man, they just they're all too strong to hit that many doubles. When they really drive a ball, it just goes over the fence. Surprising stat number two, not to dwell on any more Freddie Freeman, but I just one note about the steals, only because Ozzy had made a big thing when he was asked about stolen bases, you know, taking advantage of the new rules and all that. And the Braves got some speed guys, and he thought, oh, we're going to have three guys. I think he said something effective. They could have three guys with over 30 steals or more, and that hasn't panned out. I mean, Acuna has met or surpassed all expectations in stolen bases, leading the National League in 36. Uh, I mean, he's been ter- terrific. He's on pace to, you know, still 70 bases, being the first member ever of the – not just 30, 60, but he might go 35, 70, or even push 40 homers. But beyond him, they really haven't had anybody stealing a lot. I know Harris was hurt and had the back and then the the knee, the type of injuries that are going to prevent you from stealing. And he has been stealing some lately, but Ozzy just has, does not a big base stealer. You would think he would be short legs, quick guy, get started in a hurry, but he just isn't. I mean, he, he hasn't been caught at all, but he's only got six stolen bases. Yeah, I think that's honestly something that might have helped Olsen, too, um, not having to wonder if Acuna's going or not. Mm-hmm. Because if, like, so if you're Ozzy in the tool and you got Riley and Olsen coming up. Oh, I got you. Yeah, right, right. You could steal second, but, I mean, there's pretty good odds they drive you in from first. So, like, the risk-reward kind of comes into play. But sure, with Acuna, he's going. Like, oh, yeah, he's just going. Yeah, he's going. Yeah. So, but, but the reason I brought Freddie up because he would be second on this team in stolen bases. Freddie no Freeman, way. he's got ten stolen bases, dude. Wow, <laughs> isn't that crazy? He'd be second because they uh, he'd be a couple of laps behind Acuna, obviously with thirty six. But Harris is second on the team with nine, and Ozzy's uh, third with six. Next most, they have the next most with the on the Braves. Um, I will say that they are successful when they steal. So it goes back to risk-reward. Harris has been caught once in 10 attempts. Ozzy hasn't been caught in six. So, And Acuna's only been caught six times in 42 attempts. Much, much better rate than he had in the past. Yeah. Braves are eighth in the majors in stolen bases with 63. There are four teams with fewer than 40 steals. The Giants, Tigers, Twins, and Rockies. You know, that's kind of shocking to me that the Rockies, I mean, they are inept. They they are a bad organization. They don't do things that you would think they need to do to be successful playing at altitude and all that in that in that, you know, kind of unique ballpark and everything that situation. But you would think that they would add speed guys to all those balls that are hitting the gaps and everything, that they would want to build around speed guys. And they just yeah. have they clearly haven't done that. But they are last in the majors with 32 stolen bases. They've got four fewer steals than Acuna has by himself. I remember uh, Kadire talking, just going to how hard it is to build a team in Colorado. But I remember Michael Kadire played with him in New York, talking about how they're never on the same time zone. And right. the travel is different, and then the altitude beats you up going in and out of it. I think it's just, I don't, I don't really have any idea how you manage everything that all the obstacles of building a team of Colorado, but 
I mean, it pitch starting yeah. with pitching, and then your outfielder's got to be quick. It's just a tough, tough, uh, tough play for the team. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, I will, I will give them that. It is very hard, but they've had a long time to figure it out and decide which way they want to go and which way they want to do, how they want to draft and all that. Just seems like they've changed course so many times midstream and never given anything. Something and try it. It it does seem like it's always a new that, you know, the next big thing. Right. And their only era where they were good for multiple seasons was when they started and they did it with the Bash brothers. They did it by, by hitting home runs. Yeah. So, um, by contrast, on the uh, stolen base thing, the D-backs are third in the majors with 81 steals. They've only been caught 12 times. That's the same number of caught stealings as the Rockies have, with more than double the number of stolen bases. That Corbin Carroll, dude, I don't know if it's just because he's small and his legs look, but he looks like the fastest dude I've ever seen. He really does. He has short strides. He got hurt last night, by the way. I haven't heard how it felt serious. It was like a shoulder. He was uh, did something to his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rays, by the way, lead the majors with 99 stolen bases, but they've also been caught a majors high 27 times. It's tied with the Pirates for the most called stealings. I think Pittsburgh probably pushes the envelope a little too much, you know, delusions of grander as far as speed's concerned because they got 79 steals they've been caught 27 times so but hey they're trying to make shit happen so i don't blame them yeah uh somebody said uh diana p asked do you expect jesse chavez back this weekend well no considering they had to carry him out to celebrate that home run the other night they literally were hoisting him uh i think it was a bullpen catcher hoisted him up you know because he they had been using that that uh batting practice dummy with a jersey on it and yeah. kind of, and kind of picking that up and and walking around in the dugout with it, you know. Uh, but they they brought Jesse out the open door, carrying him the other night after a big home run. The that night they hit the five homers. So if that's any yeah, he sign of where he is throwing, and it didn't look like he was even striding yet when he throws, and able to really put much weight on that leg. Yeah. So yeah, I don't expect him back. Uh, real soon. He'll go out and throw. I would think he'd go out and make a couple of appearances first, and not need many, but maybe a couple. But uh, would like to see Jorge Soler added to the All Star roster, but not sure he'll make it as a DH. Yeah, I agree. He's having a great year. Uh, do you know if the Braves uh, had to submit the absurd request for the standing ovation tonight so the pitch clock isn't violated? I do not know if they had to submit that or not. That'll be interesting since it's going to be before the first pitch is thrown, but guys have to do that when they stand and come out of the box, but they're not usually leading off the game. So I don't know right. how that works. You know what I mean? Like I, when Freddie came up, they did, you know, have to how it works. I mean, it, it, like there's got to be some just feel for the game of this guy's coming back from two Achilles surgeries. We can wait one minute. Right, and that all they have to do to it, if they want to avoid it, if if they haven't submitted that, or if they tell them it's too late to submit it, all the the PA announcer has to do is is say his name earlier. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, or even do it while he's warming up in the bullpen. But yeah, you want him to be able to tip his cap or whatever. But I would think he'd probably get it when they say warming up in the bullpen. You know, which they do, which they announce. I would think he'd get a huge one then, and then another one. You know, before, depending on what they say, you know, over the PA, but I would think you'd get another one before the first pitch. I would it's going to be interesting. It. Maybe even after the first pitch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The future for Charlie would be in coaching. You agree, guys? Yes, Charlie Culberson. Yes. I would think that he would definitely go into coaching or a front office position. I could see him do either, to be honest. But yeah, he's the type of guy that didn't make. I mean, he made he made, he made a great living, obviously, playing baseball. You're going to make a great living. You play that long. But he didn't make the $150 million that some of these guys who made just absurd amounts to ever even consider putting in the time to coach full-time. Most of them wouldn't even have no interest because they made so much money. But right. Charlie loves the game enough, and, and you know, those scrappy utility-type guys are usually the ones that end up, you know, for whatever reason, end up in coaching positions. I think a lot of time we've discussed this is because they can relate to more players than can the superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had to battle, you know, they had to figure it out. They had to scrap. They know what the struggle's like. They know what it's like to get sent down. Um, it, it's just, it's one of those things that you learn so much more from failure in baseball. And there's a lot of guys, you know, I don't know what Acuna could teach my son about hitting. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? 
And that's not a knock on him. It's just like, exactly. can anybody do what you do? Right. Well, it's like Ted Williams, the great Ted Williams, uh, arguably the greatest hitter of all time. You know, he was he was a manager, but he wasn't a very good one, you know, because he couldn't really relate to why players were struggling the way they did. And as a hitting instructor, I mean, you know, it's like Chipper. I think uh, I've had Frenchie or BMAC was talking about how uh, Frenchie was talking about how BMAC and him, Chipper used to help them when they were real young, you know, when they were starting out. Chipper would try to help them. You do this, 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 you show them in a cage. And I think it was BMAC who said, BMAC or Frenchie said to him, we get it, man. We understand what you're saying, but we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely. That makes it tough. You know, I'm, I'm, even, it's, I'm trying to teach my son how to, to pitch right now, and it makes me question if I know anything because you get, you get given advice at a certain level, and it's like they don't have the coordination or the ability where your your knowledge isn't really that valuable. You know, you have to learn how to teach, like, fundamentals and stuff, but – for me, like Eric Hinsky was great because yeah. he, he had come up and he'd been rookie of the year and had all this stuff happen. And then he had to adjust to his body going and he had to really learn how to hit and sit on pitches and do all these things. And if you have a guy like Chipper, who's able to just flick the ball out to left center, right backspin it. He's starting with that. Like he's starting with learning <laughs> how to read pitchers and do all these things, but he doesn't have to conquer his swing or these little things that, that other guys have to learn you know as their ability fades or never even got to that point yeah when you can hit 300 from both sides of the plate for your entire career you know and and flick opposite field home runs with pure backspin when you're 36 you probably don't have a lot to teach the average player (laughs) no but i think he's figured it out because yeah he's helping him he's no not i talked to i talked to some guys and his observations, I was talking to Michael Harris about this a couple of days ago. And Michael Harris said, yeah, his observations, because he's got the season tickets right by the dugout. So he helps them on the at the cage and in the video room before the games. And then he goes and sits and watches a lot of the games from the stands if he doesn't go home. And Chipper talks to these guys sometimes while they're on the field in the batting in the uh, in the circle uh, about what he sees. And Harris said it's really great having observations from a Hall of Famer like that. Just something he sees during the game or something Chipper sees the pitcher doing or whatever. He helps these guys. So he's definitely yeah. helping them. He had he gave me – I mean, it, it's just kind of just an example. Uh, my first or second year with the Braves, I threw live BP, and I got to face him. And I'd always had this thing that pitching coaches had kind of told me I needed to clean up where my arm hesitated. Uh-huh. I would get my – I. I as soon as my leg lift was over, my leg would drop and my arm would pause. Uh-huh. And I threw to him and afterward he said to me, he's like, man, that little hit you got, don't ever lose that. And it was the opposite of what I'd always been told uh, by pitching uh-huh. coaches and stuff that, you know, because yep. they wanted a smooth arm swing. But he's like, that little hesitation, that's that little bit of awkwardness you need to throw off good hitters. He's like, don't uh-huh. ever lose that. He's like, however you're throwing right now, just stick with it because it throws off my timing. And so – I went from worrying about this thing that, you know, this, I need to nitpick and clean this up to, no, that's one of my strengths, but that's just another observation that a guy that's hit yeah. everybody. Well, yeah. he tells you that's a difficult thing. I'm like, well, that the case is closed there. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. And that's the thing is he's just got so much gravitas as we we're saying earlier that when he says something, a hitter's more likely to listen than he is from oh, somebody yeah. who, you know, uh, but you know, uh, to wrap this up, sites are, Reminds me so much of what you're talking about with Hinsky because he had a real similar career. Seitzer was better yeah. for a longer period, but he was like rookie of the year, tremendous as a you know, young player, had all kinds of injuries, but still had a long career and was on some damn good teams, you know, with Cleveland World Series at the end. But I had a mentor, George Brett, that helped him, you know, along the way. And so, but he's, but he's, but he was a, uh, more of a, a journeyman or just a good player not a great player for most of his career. And he can relate to so many more guys because of the struggles that he went through over the course of a long career after being great as a rookie, you know, but having so many injuries and everything. Yeah. I had Mike Altretti tell me we were on a plane and I was struggling in Oakland and he just, you know, this is little things that guys that have really struggled and it's, it's like the values in the fight and guys that have found ways to the, the mental side of it that I think that they can offer. He just said to me, he's like, man, just keep plugging away. I've had this game rip my heart out a million times by now, and I'm still going. You can keep going too. But it just kind of 
having people that have been through it when you're struggling, yeah. you know, it, it, it's really easy to relate. And Charlie, I mean, he's a, a great example of, but you, I think you just have, you have so much respect for guys that find a way to stick around when things get tough. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Listen, we're out of time. We really appreciate all the questions and everything, uh, the comments. Thanks, everybody, for participating. And that's it. 755 is real. And we are out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.